They are not hiding anything from us. I can confirm that we've had an accident. This is a special news bulletin from Republic Radio News. Strange power blackouts, sudden drops in water pressure, and a complete loss of communication in the affected areas continue to plague the United States tonight. Wait a minute! Someone's crawling out of the sewer! Someone or something! Reports are coming in of a large group of unidentified cre- creatures. Can you hear that? Hold on. I'm going to open up the window real quick. I'll be right back. Yes. This is basic civil defense information from the Department of Defense. It seems that once these odd disruptions begin, no more information comes from the affected area. Like, my God, they've somehow gotten around us. 100 yards, they just, they just keep coming. 50 yards, they're everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Today, thousands of lives came under attack by evil. Ladies and gentlemen, The Pentagon is now announcing that it is preparing to launch a tactical nuclear strike on the overrun city of Chicago. Uh, I think Colonia's is starting to get overrun here as well. Look out! They're in the building, oh my god. They're they're actually scaling the sides of these skyscrapers here. We've, we've done our best here. They're 50 feet now, climbing right back. Hello all you Taverncast fans, this is Aloysius, and I want to show you some of the outtakes and behind-the-scenes material for our Halloween special, The War of the Murlocs. The Halloween special, show number 11, or as we call it, The War of the Murlocs, is obviously heavily derivative of the original 1938 radio play from Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds. Um, It also has uh, some pretty direct homage to the 1953 George Pal rendition of the story of the War of the Worlds, which was based pretty heavily off of the radio play. Now, the original War of the Worlds, uh, written by H.G. Wells, is uh, similar to both of those stories, but it it also has some, some pretty far departures. Actually, the recent Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds outing in 2005 was actually a little bit closer to the original H.G. Wells vision than than uh, what the the others were. We felt that it would be fun to do a really cool homage to the War of the Worlds on Taverncast, and the Murlocs seem to be the logical choice of an invading army. And so that's the, the onus of the idea. Now if you listen to Taverncast's rendition of War of the Worlds, you'll notice quite a few 
if you know the the old radio show or or the George Powell movie, you'll notice quite a few tips of the hat to both of those incarnations, especially uh, in the part in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, which is almost word for word the dialogue from the original uh, October 30th, 1938 radio broadcast, and includes the same names of the individuals there. Carl Phillips was the name of the original reporter, and Mrs. Wilmoth is a... Uh, change in sex only from Mr. Wilmoth, who was the owner of the farm where the uh, Martian cylinder first dropped in the original radio play. The unsuccessful attempt to rid the world of the Murlocs by nuking Chicago uh, was also a tip of the hat to the 1953 War of the Worlds movie, and in that movie there was a scene where the military tried using a just then brand new YB-49 flying wing bomber, which looks awfully similar to a B-2 bomber today, to drop a nuke out just uh, west of Los Angeles to try to stop the advancing Martians, also unsuccessfully. And the audio you hear on the Taverncast show of the general saying, guns, bombs, planes, they're like toys to them was an actor by the name of Les Tremaine, who is a famous uh, genre movie actor from the 50s. He was in uh, North by Northwest. Uh, He was in Forbidden Planet. Actually, he was the narrator of Forbidden Planet, which is an awesome, famous sci-fi movie that you haven't seen. I I would uh, totally recommend that you see it. Also, a cool movie called The Monolith Monsters, where these big rock formations continue to grow and take over the United States. Kind of strange. But actually, the reason he's in the show, outside of his obvious involvement with the War of the Worlds, is also because he was a famous voice talent for cartoons and animation throughout the 80s, including the Smurfs. Uh, He played additional voices on the Smurfs and Rainbow Bright. So (laughs) you can see then why I had him on the show. I thought it would be fun to show you how closely we paralleled uh, portions of the original 1938 War of the Worlds Orson Welles broadcast by showing you a scene from our Murloc War of the Worlds version and a scene from the original version sort of side by side as a comparison. So here's the scene with Carl Phillips where we had him in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. This is Carl Phillips, the reporter on the scene in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. This is the scene with Mrs. Wilmoth, which in... The original was Mr. Wilmoth, owner of a farm. Here's Mr. Wilmoth, owner of the farm here. He may have some interesting facts to add. Mr. Wilmoth, uh, would you please tell the radio audience as much as you remember of this rather unusual visitor that dropped in your backyard? Uh, Step closer, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Wilmoth. Well, I was listening to the radio. Uh, Closer and louder, please. Pardon me? Uh, Louder, please, closer. Yes. I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsing. A professor fellow was talking about Mars... So I was half chosen and half... Yes, yes, Mr. Wilmot, and uh, then what happened? Well, as I was saying, I was listening to the radio, kind of halfway... Yes, Mr. Wilmot, and then you saw something. Well, not first off. I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound like this. Uh, kind of like a Fourth of July rocket. Yes, then what? I turned my head out the window and would have sworn I was to sleep and dreaming. Yes? I seen a kind of greenish streak and then zingle. Something smacked the ground, knocked me clear out of my chair. Well, were you frightened, Mr. Wilmot? Well, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I was kind of riled. Well, thank you, Mr. Wilmoth. Thank you very much. Yeah, you want me to tell No, that's quite all right. That's plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Mr. Wilmoth, owner of the farm, where this thing has fallen. I wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. And now, here's our Carl Phillips, 
uh, in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. While the fire department is pushing the crowd back, here's Mrs. Wilmoth, owner of the house across the street from here. She may have some interesting facts to add. Mrs. Wilmoth, would you please tell the radio audience as much as you remember this rather unusual evening? Step closer, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mrs. Wilmoth. Closer and louder, please. What, what's that? Louder, please, and closer. Oh, y yes, sir. Well, I, I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsing, listening to all that's going on with the blackouts out west and all. So I was kind of half dozing and half... Yes, yes, Mrs. Wilmoth, and, and then what happened? Well, as I was saying, I was listening to the radio just kind of halfway. Yes, Mrs. Wilmoth, and then you saw something? Well, not at first off. I, I heard something. What did you hear? Well, it was kind of a rumbling sound, kind of like thunder or maybe when those kids stomp their feet on the bleachers at football games? Yes, then what? Well, and, and then I turned my head out the window and I could have swore I was sleeping or dreaming or something. Yes? And, and then I seen what looked like a little man or something just kind of running down the street. Another one over there by the Johnson's trash can. See that across the street over there? Kind of like a little man, but, but short and quick. Well, were you frightened, Mrs. Woman? Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I... I reckon I was kind of startled. Thank you, Mrs. Wilmoth. Thank you very much. Well, you want me to tell you some more? No, no, that's quite all right. That's plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Mrs. Wilmoth, owner of one of the houses near where I'm standing. Wish I could convey the atmosphere, the background of this fantastic scene. If you've never heard the original 1938 War of the Worlds, it's got a great story. It's very similar to what we did. It's far, far better. It's the original cool radio play. It's the one that's set all the standards. And it has a great history behind it of having people actually believe that what they were hearing was real and causing a small panic on the East Coast because they felt that they were really being uh, invaded by the Martians. It was, it's a historic uh, broadcast and one that, if you haven't heard, I definitely recommend you listening to. It's really cool. So look it up on the internet. War of the Worlds, Orson Welles. You'll check out what, uh, what preceded what you heard the other night if you've never heard it before. Most of the voices that you heard on the Halloween show are not known to you at this point, uh, being a Tavern Cast listener. The few exceptions to that would be uh, both Brian and Zach from Gamecast Online. Brian did some of the RNN tags, and uh, Zach did some of the background voices, as well as played the character of Cesar Perez from The Music and the Magic. Um, delightfully over the top, I thought. So you might recognize those two. The rest are, are local friends, um, some of them with acting experience that uh, all came into our local studios here or called in via Skype and we talked through the, the whole dramatization of their various parts. Now the show runs an hour th uh, 37 one hour, 37 minutes in length. Uh, it, it was originally slated to be much longer, but through editing I cut it down quite a bit to try to get more of the uh, War of the Worlds homage in there and less of the actual Tavern Cast show that was up front. So because I did that, there was a whole section of, of information there that was not given. Now, it isn't information that's all that crucial. In fact, we were doing like a Halloween Martha Stewart thing where we were you know, baking cookies and all that kind of thing. But what, what you missed there... Uh, that I felt wasn't necessary was having Kern Kater actually go through and explain how she was making things and we were joking around and whatnot. So here's the scene uh, from Taverncast, the unedited segment where you can see or hear uh, Kern Kater going through her recipe instructions. The second thing uh, we have here, as we talked about before, were our Magrash Ogre Pies. 
These are ah, little plops of goodness. <laughs> <laughs> These involve uh, taking some um, Baker's semi-sweet chocolate with some butter, melting it in either a stove or the microwave. Make sure you don't burn it if you use it in the microwave. Um, add it to flour and sugar and salt, and then throw in some semi-sweet chocolate chunks. You, it almost is the consistency of uh, cookie batter, or I'm sorry, um, brownie batter when you get it. It's kind of more runny. Then you bake it in the 350 oven for about like 12 minutes. And like what? Like what? Like snot? Huh? No, not quite as runny as snot. <laughs> a little less snotty. Uh, more of a more like, of a. How about like spider icker? Or what's the slime stuff? The snot. the little slime. The gelatinous goo. Gelatinous, gelatinous goo, goo. Yeah. It is kind of it's it is similar to gelatinous goo. Um, and you know, now we've got the, the ogre patty, so it's really good. And I'll put, I'll put the exact proportions of what to what, um, on the forum. So you, if those of you who want to make them can make them. What, uh, what, what kind of stats do these add to you when you eat them? Um, plus three cholesterol and, uh, <laughs> minus, <laughs> minus nine fit in jeans. Minus nine fit in jeans. Yes. Sweet. Cool. I don't need that either. That's oh, what, well. that's what these do. You know, we have some really not so hot epic items here. Well, wait, wait, wait. You're not helping my stats any. Linian's fingers. Oh, Linian's fingers are. We're good eating for you. ogre poo. How much more epic can you get? <laughs> it's how like heroic is that? Magical ogre dog. Poo. Not castings. They're they're ogre castings. Uh, that's that's the more. That's... Doesn't make me feel any better. It doesn't. <laughs> the last thing we have here are Lindian's fingers, and they're quite tasty. He's got a lot of fingers. It's all like he does. Say. He's got over. Well, we got thirty of his fingers. So I don't know how many he's. And we left him with some, so he could still click and stuff. Maybe he just regenerates them. And see, the cool thing is, is Ooh. not only did we take it's his like fingers, now we're eating his fingers. Now we're eating them. We're like trolls. We're it's, role playing. It's awesome. There you go. I'm so we're proud RPing of you guys. Trolls. All three of you. I'm so proud of you. Slash EM eats fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, give me one of those. I need to try one yeah, while you're so explaining. I need one too. All right. The best thing is, is who would have known that um, Lindian has black fingernail paint? Well, yeah, Lindian, you need to clean your nails, dude. Yeah, they're they're kind of they're kind of looking funky there, friend. You got that? Um, you need some Lamisil <laughs> for your uh, <laughs> <laughs> right under your tail, right under your nails there. Hey, you know what? We didn't get a Murloc sound out of you last week. Well, there's a Murloc sound right there. Now let's hear another one. <laughs> okay, pretty good. Not bad. So, yeah, that's, that's not <laughs> It doesn't match Karg's zombie Murloc, though. No, yeah. nothing beats Karg's Murloc. <laughs> but we actually, not repeat it. Actually, because... I, honestly, I think Car or uh, Asros had the best. Asros was pretty good too. You guys are in competition now. Well, you know what? I can't wait to hear the the Murloc sounds that our listeners give us on the on the Skype um the Skype number. Do we have that number? Um, not that I can. We'll get, get it for easily. you. We'll get, we'll get it, it at the end of the show. At the end of the mm-hmm. show. We'll put it on the on the forums too. Yeah, because that's important. Getting the Murloc sounds from you guys is 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 key. Or any other funny sounds you want to give us? Hey, you know, back to these fingers. I'm really glad that you removed all of Linian's finger hair off of these, because that could be kind of nasty. Yeah, it's just good fiber. Well, I had we had um I made fingers fingers of the children next door a couple of years ago, and they were kind of salty. These are sweet, salty and doughy. <laughs> well, it, in in our county, it is. Oh, well, we, we are in Michigan. So. Could we sell them? Yeah, yeah, I think we could. We probably, you know, eBay, eBay, you can sell, you know, your kidney. I tried what the black eBay. market is for. Yeah, they didn't and want it, my kidney after they heard I was on Taverncast. I guess that would be my liver. That's a problem. Well, the first thing you do for these fingers is you get a, a package of, of almonds. You only need about thirty almonds. You get some food coloring, 
and paint the fingernails whatever color you want. You can do bright red if you want healthy looking fingers. Or we got the fall, uh, the fall colors. You know, they all look dark to me. Yeah, they all kind of turned out brown. Yeah, yeah. Cromley, you painted them. What, what's yeah. the deal there? Well, I had black, dark red, orange, and dark green. Well, yeah, and but they're so all kind the of almonds were already kind of brown yeah, to begin problem, with. So. The almonds are already brown. Oh. So. But it makes it look really sweet, though. The red ones, we've got red, more red ones upstairs, and those look more red. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so color your almonds first of all. Get a little paintbrush with some food coloring. And I guess color you could your skin almonds. the almonds, right? So you get the white almond underneath. Or you could do sliced almonds if you really want to. There you go. It'd be cheap, it'd be thinner. But it w you wouldn't get the big, thick, sickly, infected nail looking like you've got in here. <laughs> Boy, Lindian, man, you need to go see a doctor. We need to talk about a manicure here, baby. <laughs> all right, so the first thing you do is you get two eggs. You separate one egg, um, set aside the white of one egg for later, and then you whisk the yolk of that egg, one other egg, and about a tablespoon of vanilla together. You combine some butter, some sugar, um, both granulated and confectioner sugar, and salt together. Beat it till it's creamy. Add the eggs and beat for about another two minutes. Then you add about two-thirds of a cup of flour. Mix until it's all together. And then you wrap the dough and you have to chill it in the refrigerator for about a half an hour to get it to set up. Then you divide it in half. In each half makes about 15 fingers. So you just kind of roll, roll it out on a lightly floured surface like a little snake. Then you want to pinch um in the dough to make your knuckles and then take a little knife and score it on the knuckle so you make kind of little indentations there like on your knuckle if you look at your knuckle see the little, see the little, little lines wrinkles. there yeah knuckle wrinkles knuckle wrinkles that's the medical term yeah you're the space between your phalanges that too. what your phalanges okay all right two things here first of all the, the first two i'm all over like those are pretty easy to make yeah this is now bordering on like gamers can't do this stuff well, but maybe maybe wife of gamers or husband of gamers can do it. I don't know. Maybe. That was getting a little difficult Wait a second. There. I'm a gamer and I did it. Yeah, what are you saying here? I don't know. Nothing. Yes. I guess I'm not saying anything. You're right. She's going to throw Lillian's fingers I'm at also you. waiting for the complaints on the forum. You guys are talking about cooking. Oh, <laughs> the whole thing. I don't listen to Well, you know what? Next we're going to talk cooking. about EverQuest. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so then you brush the fingers with an egg white. Um, the egg white that we separated out earlier, and that's what gives it kind of its little sheen there, like skin. And then you put your almonds in it, and you bake it for about 12 minutes at 350. All I can say is Lindian is the pastiest person I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to get outside, but he's got so, man. golden brown edges to his fingers, which is kind of weird. Well, you bake them till they're golden oh, brown. Right. They you really weren't them. that color when we cut them off of his body. Oh, that's right. I like how those fingers that's were right. rotting, too. They were expanding. <clears throat> See how fat they are? It's like they've been... Yeah, know. he's not that fat for real. Well, His other fingers are nor normal. They kind of get bloated over the course of time. That's what I'm saying. They were rotting, and they're getting all nasty and fuzzy. But they taste good still. They with do. Enough sugar, with enough sugar, everything will taste just fine. You're right, Karg. So these are some good Halloween treats for people to make. Exactly. And they're all World of Warcraft themed. They're World sort of Warcraft of. related, and if you like the actual recipe and how to make them and cooking times and temperatures, go to the forums. And subscribe. And, and, and subscribe. <laughs> uh, under featured segments, you'll see Kern Kater's Halloween goodies, and you'll be able to find all of our recipes under that. But wait, there's more. There's more. Step on over here to Uncle Aloysius's Tiki Bar and let us take a look at what we're making. We're making mindless... Oh. No. 
We're making mindless zombie juice. Mindless zombie These juice. are from the. We are departing from <clears throat> our normal beer-themed entertainment now. For for a moment, to make a special Halloween drink with a World of Warcraft theme. Actually, this is just a slight variation on uh, the regular zombie drink, and it's also got a, a little bit of the Bay Breeze thrown in there, so it's kind of a fruity cocoa no no. So it's got like rum and stuff in it. But here, so basically, hey, boy, what you do, you, you get a couple, you, you get a couple of little nice. glasses. What? Don't interrupt Uncle Aloysius when he's doing his bartending. You look very nice. Freak. Okay, so anyways, so you get, you get yourself like some rum. Mess. You I'm need confused. some good rum. I'm using Captain Morgan's private stock. And you need some uh, Dekuyper peach cream. How nice of him cream. to give us that. Yeah, well, I'm Noel. Right, cool. And <laughs> and uh, you get some uh, peach tree schnapps. And you want a little bit of cranberry juice and a maraschino cherry and some pineapple juice. And you want to dump pineapple juice into your glasses first. You want to fill them about a quarter of the way full. And then you want to dump in some peach tree. Fill it so now it's halfway full with peach tree schnapps and uh, pineapple juice. Drop your maraschino cherry in. And then you want to take your cranberry juice, and you're going to pour cranberry juice into those bad boys. And they're going to turn like this muddy, nasty, red kind of ick flavor that looks like bad old... It's kind of like a tequila sunrise. Yeah, bad old zombie juice. This is what happens when you squeeze the mindless zombies. And then, take this goodness. That's Captain Yay, Morgan's rum. rum. And you want to fill... You should be... You should be. The glass should be 75% full now. Oh my gosh. And you want to fill the remaining part of the glass with all the rum you can fit in there. Now, kids... Keep this away from your mixer. If you want to do this at home, kids, and not have it be something that's illegal for you if you happen to be under 21, skip the rum and the peach tree schnapps, blend pineapple juice, cranberry juice, and a maraschino cherry, throw some Hawaiian punch in there, and it tastes darned close. It's a 7-Up. Here you go, kids. Thank you. But I didn't drink... It looks kind of like apple cider, actually. Yeah. You smell that, Card? Doesn't that taste good, Card? It does taste very good. You are an excellent. So this is what zombies taste like. You're an excellent drink maker. Not bad. That really isn't bad. No. Mindless zombie juice. Over the rocks, I think this would be excellent. It would be better over the rocks, yes. So there's your creepy Captain Aloysius's bar drink, along Ooh, with Kirkatera's creepy ah! cookie. That was pretty creepy. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Only you, Aloysius. Only you. Only you. Carg, do you have any recipes you'd like to add to the uh, to the list here? A double cheeseburger and a beer sounds just fine. Would you like fries with that? I like fries with that. I was really lucky to be able to get a hold of both Starman and Linian and Brian and Zach from World of Warcast and Gamecast Online, who were both really cool and uh, seemed eager to come in and, and do their part to help us make a really neat uh, Halloween show. And I think both of their parts turned out really cool and, and only added to the to the whole. Uh, both of those shows had parts that were the only portion of the, the program that were unscripted. Um, it, basically, I had an idea of what I needed there and just coached them through, okay, this is where you are, this is essentially where I need the story to go. In the case of Gamecast Online, Zach and Brian recorded almost a a half of a regular show for them. They recorded quite a bit of material that was talking about a couple of different games and some extra news events, none of which actually made the final cut of the War of the Murlocs. And so here I'd like to 
put up their original work so you can hear some of the some of the work they put into it that was not shown and here it is <laughs> Podcasting news, tricks, and tips for gamers and technophiles. You're listening to GameCast Online. And now, the host of GameCast Online, almost live from Chicago, Illinois, here's Brian Wagner. And welcome to GameCast Online for the week of Halloween. Happy Halloween, Mr. Zach. Yes, happy Halloween to you too, sir. Uh, Gaming-wise, uh, just you know, been logging in some hours in World of Warcraft. Uh, that's Warlock. really been. A, he's doing pretty good. I'm up to level 30 now. Yeah. Um. Yep. I'm working on that free. Working toward getting that free mount, which warlocks yeah, are lucky nice to get. Since I had to yeah. plunk down 100 gold for mine. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah training, I'm, I'm really... 80 gold for the mount and 20 gold for the training. That sucks. Yeah, but I'm, I'm really digging Warlock. Um, it's the first time I've played the class, and uh, generally in the past I've been always been combat, like, you know, uh, warrior, rogue-type classes, but this is the first, I guess, uh, caster-type class I've played. So, so how's it different from, like, a mage, like a standard mage? Um, mage... Definitely, the mage has more offensive uh, skills, you know, in terms of nuking. Um, offensive skills. <laughs> yeah, man, I love that movie. No, but I know that you got some pretty slick pets, though. Yeah, well, the warlock has to rely on their on the uh, their demons that they can summon. Um, the most popular being the void walker, which basically serves as a tank. And where the warlock comes, you know, where it does its most uh, effective damage is its dots. You just ca- constantly cast damage over times on the enemy. So and basically, you just let your your Voidwalker go in there and just take the punishment while you stand back and and cast your spells. So yeah, that's like um, a spell casting hunter. Almost. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I wish we had is uh, we only have like one um, self buff, which is like demon skin. Yeah. Um, I would think you know, warlocks would have a few more you know improved stat skills or spells in their in their repertoire. But yeah, but you got the um, succubus though, and she's hot. Yeah. Now, Succubus, uh, PvP is what I've heard that they're good for. I haven't really used my Succubus very much. I use my Voidwalker primarily. Did you have solo. the Succubus out when we were doing that raid? In yes, I did. Yeah. Because yeah. I figured there's gonna be, you, know, there, you were pretty much tanking everything since you were the high-level roller in that in that raid. So yeah, no doubt. Basically, the Voidwalker is good if you don't really have any warriors or any or shamans to, to, to take your tanking. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm digging my you, hunter. I'm up a I was going to ask you, how, how you liking that? It's good. I'm poor now because I dropped all money for <laughs> new armor, new skills, new weapons, new everything. I swear, yep. 40 is such a changing point in the game. It is. You get your mount, <clears throat> and you get great new skills, and you know most classes you get an upgrade in your armor. So I switch from leather to mail, and you're able to use different weapons and stuff like that. So, man, there was a while right before I hit 40 where I was just farm, 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 leather, le- leather, sell all my leather. And mm-hmm. stuff like that, and got up as much gold as I could. But yeah, it's it's great. You definitely got me interested in trying it out. I think if I make a, an alliance character, I'm gonna do a do a hunter. Hunters are great. I I, I totally dig them because they're great soloing characters, and you can mm-hmm. solo a lot because they can tank. 
and they're very versatile on how they can tank and, and stuff like that because of the different pets that they can use. I'm still loving my Shadow Maw Panther. Um, she's she's really awesome because she can stealth um, yeah. in different levels of bite and growl and all those sort of cool things. So, so it's like a, a Forgotten Realms D&D kind of player. Would you say that the uh, Hunter is, is close to the Ranger class uh, from the traditional? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's easy to say yeah, but... There's differences to all of them. I'd, I'd yeah. definitely say check them out. I mean, yeah. play with them for a little bit. You won't get it to mess with any pets until you hit about level 10. So, um, But, yeah, check them out. Range power is pretty good, and melee is decent. So. And you can use guns. Guns are cool. Guns are very Boomsticks. cool. Boomsticks. Yeah. yeah, this is my boomstick. <laughs> yeah. in, in other funny news, Microsoft is... I don't, I don't know what's wrong, but it seems like the Xbox 360 is just going south day by day. But they just announced that they're moving the launch ba- launch date for the uh, for the Xbox 360 back to uh, they're saying December 24th. <laughs> what kind of hype are they trying to generate? I don't know. It's it's yeah. like I guess they're having manufacturing problems, but man, this is just gonna slaughter them. They wanted to get the edge out before the holiday season, but you well, know, the, I was reading oh, millions sorry, of people are gonna be waiting to buy these things on Christmas Eve now. Well, they're saying because I mean, this is really. I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, rightfully upset, and it's kind of interesting. I was reading an article. I think it was on CNN's money section that I can't remember what store it was. Somewhere in New York, that that night when they put it on sale, Bill Gates is supposed to be there. Oh, and they said that would well, scare say, me away. Well, they say he's going to dress up in a Santa Claus suit, <laughs> you know, and passing out these three sixties. Is he going to do it for free? He's Mr. Moneybag should do it for free. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I just can't believe the 24th of December. I mean, yeah. I mean, who? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of disappointed kids, I think. Well, on or a Day. lot of tired parents. <laughs> That's true. You know, a lot of tired parents. But, yeah. All right, we can just kill the section right there. So normally I like to play USA, and they. Command and Conquer is an interesting game where mm-hmm. the, the races are pretty equally balanced and very balanced, very yeah. balanced, almost too balanced, I think. Um, where especially with the expansion, like for superpower and superpower, they're they're kind of balanced. But the USA's main focus is definitely in air power, <laughs> and and when I play in groups or even when I play one on one, I will almost always play the USA because their air power is completely unmatched. In, yeah. In the regular game, not the expansion. They have um, three main air units. There's the Raptor, which is kind of the multi-role fighter, and it does a little bit of bombing too, but it does air-to-air and air-to-ground. Actually, there's four units, I'm sorry. There's the Raptor, um, and then there's the Stealth Fighter, which does just air-to-ground, and it doesn't carry as much ordnance, but um, it's stealth when moving, which is good. And then there's the Aurora Bomber, which is... uh, it only does air to ground again, but it's it flies supersonic initially, mm-hmm. and then slows down to half speed when returning. So you're almost always guaranteed that it's going to hit whatever target it is um, initially because it's moving too fast for anything to hit it. And then there's um, the Comanche helicopter, which is kind of my my main unit. Like it's it, essentially the tank of the skies. Like a lot of a lot of different people will use tanks as their main unit. I'll use. Um, the Comanches, just because they have both missiles and guns. So, mm-hmm. uh, have you played the U.S. at all? You know what? It's kind of funny because usually I play um, everybody but the U.S. Now I haven't played the expansion yet, but I'm usually a, um, <laughs> I know I'm, I usually play the terrorists, um, and I usually do one unit 
and that's the angry mob. Because really? yeah, I mean they 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 have no armor, but if you but they do so much freaking damage. So I will just build up and build and build and build. Because you can armor those guys with like the AK forty seven and stuff. They can, yeah, you do the AK forty seven upgrade, and uh, man, those things will those guys will just tear through anything. Um, actually, the US is probably the. Uh, I have the toughest time of beating a player that's playing the US because. Of the air power, they can just come in and swarm. Yeah, because they can't really do anything to air units. So right. Um, well, the hard thing about taking those out is because I've never played a person playing GLA, but um, <laughs> when somebody uses those, and when a computer uses them, you have to. They move as a group, mm-hmm. but the, you have, we have to target them individually. Yeah. So like my choppers will have to shoot each one of them individually, which is such a pain. Usually when I'm playing somebody that's using China, I can, I can pretty much always beat them, uh, just because the the tanks really don't stand a chance yeah. against the you know like 50 million angry mobs. But U.S. I usually have a tough time taking down with them. So that's right because the U.S. PWM. That's right, they do. Yeah, China's pretty good. Um, man, we should get Aloysius on here to, to talk about China because when I play him, he always plays China. Dude, I like China. Dude They're my second one, favorite. Yeah, and he's got one thing that he does where he will hold you off until he can get um, enough hackers going. Yeah. And then he'll just build nuke after Start nuke selling your stuff. Nuke. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I thought I had a decent strategy going, and he'll get, like, five, six, eight, ten nukes going. And he'll just, like, blow me away. Yeah. Yeah, and and those those chain guns that they have for defense are killer against my air units. And that's the great thing about that game. There's just so many different strategies that you can that you can do. I mean, there's a lot of games like that real time strategies that are out there that usually you only have like one or two strategies that are, are guaranteed to let you win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where um, Command and Conquer it's it's different in that aspect, which is really cool. It's yeah, he of... and I tried to play a game on a small two player map. Where we would just play infantry versus infantry, and we couldn't do it. <laughs> we could not beat each other because <laughs> we put up enough defenses that we couldn't do it. So can get through. Yeah, yeah, but that's pretty fun. But other real-time strategy, you play Battle for Middle Earth, right? Oh yeah. What's your What's your race of choice? Um, I'm gonna go. See, I haven't played skirmish. I, to be honest, I've been playing the single-player yeah. campaign more than anything. Um, I played a few skirmishes, and I picked the. Uh, the Gondorians. Yeah. Is that correct? Is that did I say that right? Gondor, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Gondor. Yeah. I'd have to go with that. Now I haven't really tried any of the other races in depth, but yeah, I'd have to go with the Gondorians. Yeah. See, I, I either play Rohan just because of their yeah. horses, or um, Urukai. Urukai's base sieging is is unmatched. Their yeah. heroes blow, but their base sieging is unmatched. Where Mordor get like ring wraith after ring wraith after ring wraith. Um, as their hero unit, which is pretty good, but mm-hmm. all um, all orc, orc I get for their hero units are um, Lurts, which is the big orc in Fellowship of the Ring, and um, Saruman, who is okay, but I don't know, he's not really that strong, and normally when you're taking him up against some other heroes, like Gandalf can overpower him and, and those sort of things. So he's good well, if you're going infantry-based, but um, normally I like to use um, catapults to take down the doors, Mm-hmm. Of the bases that I'm sieging, and then uh, just run my guys in from there. So, well, Solomon was kind of like the guy behind the scenes making the plans. You know, he's not gonna be out there. Well, on yeah, the in the game, you know? he's got some cool skills though, like where you can turn a bunch of the enemy units against them, 
Oh, that's cool. Stuff like that. So yeah, I need to play that game some more. I I, I got it, and I really haven't played it a whole lot. So yeah, it's it's uh sorry, I'm reading up some uh, AP headlines right now that are kind of odd. Some what? Some Associated Press headlines. Really? Yeah, they're <clears throat> talking about some odd things that are happening. Like I I heard that there was some kind of power outage earlier. But... Well, you know, it's Halloween. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> kids. <Hey>. <laughs> These <laughs> kids today are because I'm 90 years old. Yeah, it's weird that they're saying that <laughs> there's some stuff in the Mississippi River Valley that uh, uh, people are seeing, like... Here, I'll read you exactly what it says. It says that there's uh, fish-like animals that are appearing. Is that surprising, though, coming out of the Mississippi? That's true. <laughs> there's no gets dumped in there, though. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I grew up in Iowa, you know, initially, and... Yeah, right on the Mississippi, and yeah, it's some scary stuff in there. Yeah, but it's odd because it's affecting blackout regions, places that are getting hit with these blackouts. It is kind of weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. That's weird. Yeah, I'm trying to watch the news here, too. I got I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hold on a second. I'm going to turn mine on real quick. Yeah. Oh, this is odd. <laughs> Starman and Lindian from World of Warcast uh, also recorded a decent amount of material for me. One thing in particular they did that I think was pretty funny, but I felt just didn't quite work within the edit as I was piecing it together, was they made allusions to how the Murlocs are uh, duplicating themselves in water and alluded to a specific acronym for the government item that made the Murlocs reproduce. If you're familiar with the movie Gremlins, you'll get a kick out of this. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, Starman and I have set up our, our little broadcasting station here in a parking lot of uh, Bridgewater Commons Mall. What was the thing that the guy said about water? Dude, <sighs> this doesn't make any sense. It's it's. I'm trying to make sense of it myself. Um, there was, uh, well, uh, according. All right. So according to this one person I talked to, it seems that the. So uh, it it looks like they they use water they utilize water to to multiply if i'm believing what i'm reading here uh it's like they get splashed with it or dive into it and when one would dive in and freaking you know 20 would come out uh it's just it's just weird i mean this is strange i i don't understand because this seems to be something out of like a a, a video game or something like that i don't know there's there's also this there's this Weird reference. Uh, I got my hands on this report. It doesn't doesn't seem to be official, but it, it came from somewhere down in D.C. It's an unconfirmed report that the um, that the government has uh, invented or started utilizing this new gizmo, and it seems to have some direct correlation to this this the water thing. So what the they multiplying? Can, well, what does the gizmo do? That's that's unfortunately it, it looks, it's there's not a lot of detail in here. It looks like it got cut off, but they, they definitely referenced something called gizmo. I don't know if that's an acronym or or what have you. In um in the, in the way that that these I guess murlocs uh, replicate. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just bizarre. Is this real or is this not real? I mean, I I talked to, I talked to one guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name. He's just he's just totally freaked out. I mean, his best friend, he's been you know best friends with with this other guy for for years and years. Just you know, watched one of these Morlocks kill him right in front of his eyes. Kill I mean, him how? 
I don't know. It, it seems from from what he says, walking were, with the staff. <laughs> from what edit he, that out. From from what he says, they're on some sort of patrol near some stream or something, and you know suddenly a bunch of them just came out and killed them. They managed to shoot a bunch of them before they retreated away, but <laughs> this guy's dead. <laughs> I mean, that's not uh, something killed him. You know, it's just wait a minute. What's what is that over there? You see that? That van pulling up over there. All right, so here we are back in our studio in Colonia. Uh, What what happened was, uh, all right, look, I was a bit skeptical about this whole thing, but uh, Lyndon was right. Those were body bags that we saw, and the Murlocs actually, uh, they showed up. (laughs) Insert noise here. (laughs) What what, what the hell is that, man? Do you hear that? Is somebody at the front door? No. Is your back door to this place, man? What's going on? We don't have a back door. Uh, I can't. uh, Wait a minute. Let Let me check something here. What's up? Dude, this faucet's not working. There's no water coming out of this faucet. There were reports of water pressure dropping right before, like, places were overrun. Now, before we did the show, I had put out a request on TavernCast for a couple of episodes for you listeners out there to send me in uh, murloc noises. And while we didn't tell you what it was for, uh, we did tell you that we we needed your your best attempt at a... uh, Murloc voice, and I wanted to tell you that uh, up until about a half a week before the show was out, I used every submission that I had Murloc-wise, and those the names of the folks that I ended up using are actually up on the forums. I'd like to show you now the submissions of those Murloc voices in their original format, unedited, uh, from the listeners of TavernCast. Uh, hey, TavernCasters, this is Veronis. I figured I'd do a Murloc impression for you. Here goes. <laughs> Big fan of the show. Hope you guys are having a good one. Thanks. Bye. All right, so this is Starman again. See, here's what happened. I pressed the space bar on iTunes, and then it said, um, you want to hear us doing our Murloc voices. Okay. There you go, Mike. I was actually calling in for the Murloc impersonation. A uh, friend in the office says I should call in because I go by his cubicle and do it while he's trying to work, and he instantly sticks his head up over the cubicle. Here's the noise for you. And I really think you should put the worst on there instead of necessarily the best, uh, because some of the ones I heard on the show the other day were pretty horrible. Thanks. <laughs> World of Warcast, Tones, Tavercast. Hello, everybody at Tavercast. My name is Elite19, and I have my Murloc impression for you, so I'll do it right now. Yes, so if you like to mention me, I live in California. I have a druid. Thank you very much. I've been asked a few specific questions about certain items in the show, and I can expand on those questions here. One was, what was the music used at the end? Well, that was uh, the main title theme from The Day the Earth Stood Still by Bernard Herrmann, as conducted by Eric Kunzel of the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra. You can get this version actually at the store. It's on a CD called Fantastic Journey. What were the audio clips that I used in the beginning of the show that was interlaced between the static and 
what was that all from? Well, the first audio clip that you hear it sounds like some kind of conspiracy radio program where someone is questioning the government, or defending the government, I guess, from being questioned. That is actually the coast-to-coast AM radio program that's on every night, uh, starting at 10 o'clock Pacific time, uh, with host Art Bell, which is... He no longer does the show as much as he used to. The show deals with all kinds of crazy and wacky stuff, everything from UFOs to ghosts to conspiracy theories. And that specific clip was uh, one that I felt suited the show uh, simply because of the, the government cover-up illusions. The next thing we hear is a classical piece, and that's actually uh, Dies Irae by Berlioz. And Dies Irae in Latin means Day of Wrath, Dies Irae itself, the liturgy from the Catholic Church that was used as an inspiration for the Requiem from Berlioz, is a liturgy that outlines the end of the world as seen in the book of Revelation in the Bible. And so, obviously, the whole end of the world allusion in that classical song seemed appropriate, even if no one else but me got it. The talk show after that is from a internet radio show and also a shortwave radio show that I I don't know a whole heck of a lot about, but it's called Watchman Radio, Uh, and I found it basically while doing some internet searching on uh, some really, I was looking for a real fiery uh, end time evangelist, real fire and brimstone kind of guy if I could could find one, and the, the the guy here who does the show, uh, I believe his name is Mike, but he goes by End Time Preacher. And this was just a short snippet from one of his shows that I found to be recent and relevant to the whole setting up of, you know, a pre-end of the world scenario. The last piece of music, right before Taverncast starts, is a song called Devil at the Door, which is done by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's actually the, the same artist that does the song I use for Cromley's Dark Corner, which is Red Right Hand, which is a little bit more well-known. And Devil at the Door is also uh, somewhat about the end of the world, or, or at least the coming of death. Uh, so the whole song outlines that, the, that there's a devil at your door knocking, uh, he wants to come in, that kind of thing. So I felt that was also um, appropriate, and so those are the four audio bits in the very beginning in case you wondered what that was all about. It was just all to set you up. I was asked numerous times how I how I decided on the locations in the story. Basically they were all random with the exception of Chicago. The only reason that Chicago was not so random was because it was a logical uh, follow-on portion of the script uh, from Brian and Zach's GameCast Online bits, and since they're based in Chicago, obviously the action uh, was to occur there. The suburb of Cicero, where the battle was going on between the National Guard and the Murlocs, was actually the name was given to me by Brian from GameCast. The decision to drop the nuke to try to prevent further Murloc spread on Chicago in homage to the 1953 movie uh, was just, again, arbitrary. They had been fighting there, and uh, we had already talked about the Murlocs going into the lake and whatnot, and um, it seemed like as good a place as any to fry off the face of the earth. Not to mention, Brian and Zach are there, and Brian and I had had a verbal disagreement earlier in the day, and I was pissed off, and I said, you know what, dude, you're gone. And so I just dropped the nuke on him. The other locations in the story were all random. Los Alamos Labs seemed a likely 
starting point, uh, just basically because it's a major research center for the United States Defense Department currently and in real life. It seemed like a good place that they could be doing some sort of uh, quiet, shadowy experiments with uh, some kind of biowarfare genetics experiment. So it started from there, and then all the other locations followed on and were picked randomly from maps off of the internet based on how the Murlocs were spreading across the country. So areas like Poplar's Bluff, Missouri, and Farmer's Branch in Texas were all picked simply because they were in the appropriate areas for me to use for the story. I was kind of amused to find that there was a couple of people on the forums, listeners of our show, that either live in those random areas that I picked or have relatives that live there now. Uh, So... So sorry about the uh, whole Murloc thing down there. I'll I'll ask beforehand to make sure that uh, no one has any relatives or friends or even themselves in, in harm's way before we destroy the world next time. What were those weird numbers at the end of the show, I was asked? Well, that was not something we recorded. Those are part of a ongoing mystery on shortwave radio, and there are many websites devoted to this. If you type in... Uh, numbers stations or shortwave numbers or shortwave counting stations into Google, you'll come up with uh, a bunch of different sites on this subject. What it is, uh, is that on shortwave radio, there are all across the bands at all times of the day, in all different type of languages across the world, transmissions that will run either all day long or in short bursts of numbers, tones, and words that seem to have no correlation to any kind of broadcast and are not being broadcasted legally within the shortwave regulation. So some of their signals have been tracked back to their transmission origins and and where they are tracked back to are embassies and CIA headquarters in Langley and uh, other places with large antenna arrays. And regardless of that, governments around the world, including ours, uh, continues to deny that they have anything to do with the quote-unquote numbers broadcasts. Well, the mystery then is what are they? The short answer for that is no one really knows, but the conjecture is is that these numbers that are being transmitted are in code, and they're being sent out in the open to potential spies and agents in other countries to be able to pick up on their shortwave radios. And what they have is a cipher key on their end. So they've got something that... Uh, when they hear these numbers, they can use the cipher key to translate the message that's being sent to them uh, in the open. So there's no chance of the the uh, signal that they're being sent or the message being sent being intercepted by any counter agents or any government that might be hostile to what those agents are trying to do in their countries as a spy. The transmissions are kind of interesting to listen to. They're, they're kind of spooky in certain ways. I know Brian and I had from Gamecast had a lot of fun... Uh, listening to some of these not too long ago and joking about them. Uh, A good place to go hear some of these uh, would be http colon backslash backslash home dot free uk dot com forward slash spook zero zero seven. It's got a lot of good mp3s of a lot of the different number stations that are well known. And you can go take a listen and freak yourself out. The numbers at the end of the broadcast were because I needed something that sounded like a semi-official government code or government message being sent, 
that would be like a repeating message when no more radio broadcasts were going out. Now, they did something like this in the original War of the Worlds radio broadcast. It was basically a, a gentleman over the broadcasting wave saying, 2X2L, is anyone there? Isn't anyone out there? Well, in this case, I didn't have anything like that and had not recorded anything like that. And remembering the number stations, I felt that there was enough there that sounded official yet odd, and it would work pretty cool at the end. Another one I got hit with a decent amount in the past couple days is those uh, emergency broadcasts. Were those real? Yes, they were real. Uh, those were from a system called Conelrad in the 1950s during the, the Cold War when they were preparing for the United States to potentially get nuked by the Russians. They would put the emergency tone up and they'd say, this is a test, this is only a test. And then they would go to some piece of civil defense information. And the the first one that you hear after the first tone on the show is the, the actual uh, Conelrad broadcast about listen to your radio for further information. The second one is obviously re-edited by me and includes almost every Conrad broadcast that was ever sent out, all mashed together into one with some goofy 50s music in the back. Because I, I kind of thought that they were pretty funny, actually, as I listened to them. There was so much advice that they were giving, and so much of it was outdated that it just seemed so ridiculous about what they were telling these people to, to do in case their city was about to get nuked, i.e. hang aluminum foil in the windows and etc. So the edit of the second one is a whole bunch of them put together in a humorous way to try to make light of, of the 50s civil defense culture. The last question I get asked a decent amount is how long did it take? Well, all told, including writing the script and recording all the audio and everything else and getting all the tavern casters um, available to do all of their bits where they helped out greatly. It took about a month, uh, probably two and a half weeks or so of solid editing and post-production with sound effects and whatnot, and maybe a couple weeks' worth of um, audio recording and some pre-editing for various of the small parts. So that about wraps things up. As always, I want to just again throw a thank you out to our fans. You guys are the reason why we do this show, and we're really grateful that you listen. Stay tuned. We have more stuff coming up on Taverncast in the next couple of months. Nothing this big. <laughs> Sorry to say, but I can't. Uh, I can't do more than one of these every every couple of months. But uh, hopefully, you'll continue to stick with the show and like what we do and get ready for some neat stuff that's that's coming up. Thanks and thanks for listening to Taverncast. I'm a fireman. Already? No? Okay. What is that supposed to be? Like a ghost? How do we know uh, that that's what ghosts sound like? Alright. Sorry, go ahead. Starman, you tool. I got gas for $1.99 today. Oh my god. Where? Taco Bell. What? What? Alright. Shuffle, shuffle, papers. Woohoo! Bulletins, bulletins. Romania has imposed a quarantine on residents in the area where the infected birds were found, and thousands of them have been pl- slaughtered as a precaution. <laughs> slaughtered. <laughs> You'll have to do an outtake. Ham. Donald Duck. Day, while rain, snow, and frigid temperatures compounded the min- mis- compounded the misery. Shut up! <laughs>
Earthquake. Next. Page one down, 11 to go. Now we take you back to our scheduled programming. Why can't I say that? Because, <laughs> like, I can't. <laughs> I don't have any brain cells left. We have a report from Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Our military appears to have been taken completely by surprise, and um, I don't know if I've ever heard a president sound this resigned to defeat. To defeat. That was a juicy one. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. We have RNN Cor RNN Cor <laughs> What's a Cor <laughs> You know a Cor there, <laughs> That wasn't right at all. We'll return to him at our earliest opportunity. Whoa, 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 wait. Whoa, 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 wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I've ever heard a president sound this resigned to, resigned to, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't think I have either, Jan. <laughs> Alrighty, then. The end.